telling you, it's an honor to be able to serve you all. I do want to say, um, on Friday night, we had the One Race event here, and um, house was full. God just moved so powerfully. And, um, and that's something to where, you know, I don't think we should take that for, for granted, you know. Um, you all have, over the time, you know, especially this last year, you have created an atmosphere, I believe, where God just knows he's welcome, you know. And, and, and obviously, can we, can we twist God's arm? I'm not man enough to. <laughs> no, we can't. But he looks for those just full of faith. You know, he just looks for those that he just can move on their behalf. And I just feel like over the last few months, we just are hungry. Y'all are hungry folk, amen, for the things of God. And on Friday night, that culminated. And the directors that were here with us from the event, Joshua and, and Hazen, they just kept going on and on and on about just the, the place and just, you know, your hearts. And they're like, it's like a house. That's what the guy told me. He goes, it feels like a house here. And I'm like, that's what we say. We always say it's the house. Welcome to the house. We love it. And so, yeah, so I just, I, I love that when somebody that isn't even familiar with us shows up in a place and can sense what God's doing, and that isn't something that, that your leadership has been able to do. That is something that you responding to God has fostered. Amen? Amen. And I, I just give yourselves, yeah, you can give yourself some applause. So give, give Jesus applause. That's more important, more important. Amen? Give God some thanks. And, um, and in, we are starting a two-week series called The Call Today and Next Sunday. And, um, and in this, we're going to be looking at the call that God has on our lives to be responders to him. Amen? Aren't you glad somebody responded to the unction of the Lord and spoke to you about the hope of Jesus Christ at some point? I don't know what your story may have been. Maybe you were in college and somebody responded to the, the move of God to, to declare to you that Jesus' faithfulness. Or, or maybe you, you responded. You showed up at a church and the greeter, just in their activity, responded in a, in a very warm welcome to you. And it kind of just opened your heart to say, okay, these people aren't too weird. Not too, too weird, you know? And then God just began to do some things in your heart. And so this week, we're going to be looking at the area of, of, of first responders. And literally, before we finish, we're going to take some time to honor first responders, those who serve us in our county that go to Momentum Church and serve here in our county. We're going to look at that. But over the next two weeks, we're just kind of looking at this subject I'm calling the call. Because there are people that need us to respond to the call, both spiritually and physically. And I want you all to stand to your feet and open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 10. And I want to look at a passage of Scripture where this young um, lawyer comes to, to Jesus, and he's trying to angle, he's trying to find out what it takes to be in good graces with God. And, and he says this in verse 25, Behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the young man answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Now, when that young man said that, it would almost be like us going into the Sunday school class today, the, young, the teaching class, the, the kids classes, and saying, hey, Johnny, Johnny, yes. Hey, Johnny, tell me, who loves you? Jesus. Jesus loves me, Pastor. You're right, Johnny. Hey, Mary, tell me, Mary, who died on a cross to save you? Jesus did, right? You know, it's like, it's that pat answer. You know what I mean? That's what you, from the time you're a little kid, any question, if I said to you as adults now, who's the hope of the world? Jesus. See, you know. 
this guy, lawyer that he was, he was raised up in truth. He, he knew the pat answer. He knew, I'm supposed to say, to love God with all your heart, mind, and body and everything, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But what was deep down in his heart? Jesus didn't just want his nice, cute little Sunday school answer. And between this Sunday and next, I don't want your cute, cute little this. And he's answer either. Amen? Amen. I don't. And so Jesus, he dives into this. And he says to him, he says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself to Jesus, he said, who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? In this culture, the thought of a neighbor actually was a fellow Israelite. It's not somebody that doesn't look like me. It's not somebody that doesn't believe like me. It's not somebody that has differences of opinions than me. It's not a Democrat if you're a Republican or a Republican if you're a Democrat. Guess what? We got both in here. Really? Those people can be saved? I know. It's a miracle. <laughs> and you still don't know which side of the aisle I'm on, but still. Yeah. So he says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus replies, a man was going down from the Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Imagine this man being separated from, from health, security. This man has gotten um, um, beat up and thrown in the gutter is basically what has happened. And now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he too passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Say compassion. compassion. Now these things that he's doing, we're going to look more in this next week, but he had compassion, and he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, he poured in oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him, and the next Two days, or the next day, he took out two denarii, that's two days' worth of wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And I love this. There's a prophetic picture in this that we're going to look at next week. We're going to see Jesus in this. There's, there's something, that, a little nuance that's so neat about this story. And we'll look at that part next week. And he says, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Well, the man said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, nice job, Johnny. You've made the right choice, you know. He said, you, did, you got it. Go and do likewise. Father, in the name of Jesus, this Sunday, next Sunday, prepare our hearts to be able to honor those who have answered the call. Prepare our hearts to be those who respond to answer the call. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat if you would. So we can see here three people. We see the priest in this story. And many of you might be familiar with this story. Some it may be fresh to you. But the priest, he is not going to go over to this person. It, that's like cold. He gets close to this person. He's going to go on the other side. You know that's kind of like, that's like cold-blooded. I mean, that's like, dude, you're hurting over there. I'm going to get as far away from you as I can. Man, that's just wrong, right? Salty. Everybody say salty. So he is being salty. He's going on the other side, but there's a reason. And the reason why is because he's a priest. Priests cannot touch a corpse. If they touch a corpse, they become ceremonially defiled. They become unclean. And so he doesn't know if this man is dead or alive, and he doesn't care to find out. He just wants to protect his cleanliness, his himself, 
his reputation. Now, with that, I could actually buy into that a little bit if he was heading to Jerusalem, okay? It says he's coming down from Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jericho. If he was going back to the place of the temple to do some temple work, I'll, buy, I'll give him a pass, okay? So the guy's like, hey, I got to go temple work, and when I go up there to do the work, I got to be clean, and if I'm not, there's this whole process, this whole you know, mitzvah that I have to go through in order to be able to be clean again so that I can go ahead and do it. So, no, dude, don't get no pass, amen? Everybody say, dude, don't get no pass, you know why? Because he's going down to Jericho. So, I, so that's not the reason why the priest was passing on the other side, you know. It wasn't because he didn't want to pull himself and be in jeopardy of, 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 of not answering that common call. I mean, it's a call for help. It's a call for mercy. Even if the guy's not saying nothing, to see somebody laying there, isn't that a call to a heart? If you have some compassion. But he was more concerned about himself. I said I would try to give him benefit of the doubt, but I just can't. All right? I'm curious... This is where inquiring minds want to know. What's up in Jericho? Preacher's like, hmm, I got to get down to Jericho. What's in Jericho? I don't know. But it's more important to him to be compassionate about this fella. I don't know. I heard a story about a preacher. Young guy goes to an older pastor, and he's on his bicycle. And one day he shows up, he's walking. And the pastor says to him, hey, I don't know where you, where's your bike. You're always on your bike. He goes, pastor, I think somebody in my parish stole my bike. And he's like, really? He said, well, here's what you do, boy. You get up there next Sunday. When you preach, you preach the Ten Commandments. And when you get to thou shalt not steal, you preach the fire out of that. Just preach the mess out of it. And that person in your congregation that stole your bike, I bet you they'll get convicted, and they'll bring it, and they'll put it up against your back porch, okay? And so the young preacher thought, no, I'll do that. Well, the next week, he sees the older preacher, and he's on his bicycle. And the preacher said, hey, all right, you, did, you took my advice. He said, yeah, kind of. He goes, well, what happened? He goes, I got up there and I started preaching the Ten Commandments and I was preaching fire. He said, and you got to that part about, about thou shalt not steal. And when you got to that part, the, the guy, yeah, you, no. He said, I got to the part about thou shalt not commit adultery. And I remembered where I left and say, <laughs> say all that just to say, I wonder what that preacher was fixing to do in Jericho. That's all I'm saying. Now, I don't know. That's an inquiring mind, right? Right? But um, all I know is he ain't heading to Jerusalem to do the work of the Lord. He's heading to Jericho for something, and it was more important than showing compassion. The second guy we see is Levite. Now, Levites, they also, the priest is a Levite. He's considered part of the, Levit the Levitical tribe, but the Levite wouldn't have the official role like that priest did. So no matter how important or how unimportant you are, this fella, he's coming, by the way, and the Bible says the same thing. Yeah, I'm not governed by the strict rules of the priest, but... For fear, some sort of fear, he doesn't come up over there and help either. I don't believe it was the fear of defilement. I don't think he's worried about that. He doesn't have the same ceremonial law upon him. But I think he had the fear of harm. I think it was a very common practice there on the way from Jerusalem to Jericho for people to get mugged in that era, and even now, and a person would lay and look like they're mugged, and they're not. And it's a ruse. That's a fun word, a ruse. And next thing you know, you come over to help, and you're done, you know? And so you get knocked down, and now you're a part of the crime. Now you are the one that, that guy jumps up, he was faking it, and you just got robbed, right? And so I think possibly, maybe, I'm reading into it, but could it have been that this Levite's like, no, that's too risky. I'm not going to put myself in a place of possible bodily harm. There's no way I'm responding to this need. I'm just going to pass by on, everybody say on the other side. And so that's what this Levite does. And then finally, we see a man who is a Samaritan. 
And we know the story that he was a good Samaritan. And, and that's important because most people of this time wouldn't have thought any Samaritans were good Samaritans, you know? They just wouldn't, you know? And so with that, um, this man, the reason why they wouldn't look at Samaritans as good is because way back in the day, around 700 BC, you know, when, when the northern tribes, when they were trying to rebuild the, 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 the city of Jerusalem and put the walls up, the Assyrians, they came down and they defeated and they, they made it very difficult for Nehemiah and his crew to rebuild the city walls and to be protected. Well, then when the northern tribes, um, I think it was 722 BC, if I remember right, when the northern tribes, they melded in to the Assyrians, this people become known as the Samaritans. So they already got bad blood for years. Bad blood, the religion was close to Judaism, but not quite, you know. It mixed paganism in with, with Yahweh worship, and so it was all kind of confused. And so the Jewish people, they would stay away from the Samaritans and vice versa. And so here you see a Samaritan, but out of common care, common courtesy, out of just common humanity, they could see this man. He could see this man lying here, beaten and broken. And he went to him. He comes and he takes him. It says that he went to him. He didn't go around. He went to him. And he pours in the oil and wine. He begins to put him on his own horse. He takes care of him. He's putting money out. He's taking care of his needs. He stays the night to tend to him. He even tells him, hey, if there's any other bill accrued, I got it. I mean, this is amazing what this man has done. This man responded to the call for help in that moment without worry for himself of bodily harm. He wasn't worried about his agenda being messed up. And he wasn't worried about getting schmutz on his garments. He could care less if this action messed himself up. Amen? Amen? I love it. That's how this man was. And I love that it says, but there was a good Samaritan. But there was a Samaritan. Everybody shout, but. Yeah. There's always that opportunity for us to be human. There's always that opportunity for us to not go by the other side, for us to look at an opportunity and say, I can make a difference here in this moment. And this, to me, that idea that I can make a difference in this moment, it's the picture of the heart of Christ. It's the picture of our Jesus, just his heart. I'll reveal to you even more next week when we talk about the prophetic unction of this passage of Scripture. But, man, it's a picture of Jesus. Christ is the original first responder. Amen? He's like the OG of first response. That's who he is. He is the original first responder to the degree that he was actually a preemptive responder. He's not just a passive first responder. He's a very preemptive. He's, he's taken into consideration and understanding stuff that hasn't even happened yet, and he's already made a way. That's crazy. God's already made that provision. Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were sinners, he died for us. In the middle of you shacking up, he knew, and he died for you. Amen? In the middle of that drunken or that drug abuse, whatever it might have been, he knew. In the middle of, your, of my not being always so great for Amy and, 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 and giving her crazy fits, you know, God knew and he loved me. You know? Amy struggles. <laughs> loves me. You can tell her that. Come on. <laughs> Oh, if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be divorced. Okay, no. <laughs> Not because of her. She's perfect. But you, can you imagine being married to me? It's not easy. Not easy. I'm telling you. Um, and so with this, we, I love the thought that he does this ahead of time. Listen to me say this. I love this. Jesus responded before you even knew you, before you even knew you had a need. 
He had already responded. He had already started to make a way. That's why the Bible calls him the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. Before any of this happened, this plan of salvation, this plan of hope was already manifested. Even before we got beat up spiritually and thrown in a ditch, Jesus already had a plan, amen? And so before your marriage was struggling, Jesus had already had a response for it. Before you battle with addictions, Jesus had a response for it. He's that first responder. Before you were facing financial difficulties, Jesus, he had a response for it. Y'all can shout now, amen? I mean, when it came down to it, before you had made any sinful decisions that were robbing you of God's best for your life, before you were even a twinkle in your dad's eye, Jesus had a response for those sinful decisions. And that response is one of compassion. It's one of love. It's not one that walks on the other side. It's not one that kicks you while you're down. No, it's one that comes near you and begins to pour into you, begins to, to bring healing to you. John 15 13 says it this way, greater love has no one than this, than to someone to lay down their life for a friend. That's Jesus. This is the kind of character that he wants us to possess. This is the kind of character that, that I see in, we have men and women in this church that are first responders, and I know them. And I see that character in a, in a, a, a physical way. I'm not saying it's not spiritual. I believe it's spiritual too. But I see them and how they go at helping folk, even at their own detriment, it's difficult, you know? And that picture of that scripture, greater love has no one than this, than for someone to lay down their life for a friend, that picture, ever since I was a little kid, I would see it like this. It's like someone who takes the risk of their own safety and throws it out the window, and they run into the situation on behalf of another. That's kind of the picture that I see of this idea, you know? And I can remember an opportunity. We were at a party. It was an outdoor summer party in Ohio. And um, there was a creek just like right down the road, not far at all. Creek is Ohio for water. And creek is Georgia for water, okay? So um, anybody where you're from, it's creek? Okay, three of us. Well, woo-hee, down the road. So, um, but that, that, this creek, so, so this car is a convertible, goes down the road. And we see it because it makes the corner and it goes down the road. And all of a sudden we heard this big bang. You could see lights up in the trees and you could tell, man, that car just went over that bridge. Like, and so we ran to him. Well, we got in the car and we drove there as fast as we could. And literally this guy, this convertible is upside down and this guy's head is in the water and he's holding his head up. And, and obviously, if, he, if nobody would have come, he would have gotten tired. But, man, I get his head, and I'm holding his head up until the first responders could get there. It was amazing just to be a part of that. I can't imagine people having that every day. But, like, the adrenaline's rushing. It's just, it was just absolutely intense. But what would have happened if we had been like, yeah, I, I, I heard that crash. Yeah, I can see the lights in those, in those trees over there. You're like, you could see the headlights, like, shining weird, you know. And back to the barbecue. I mean, that young man could have ended up dying. Come to find out, a few people in that car were actually um, 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 interns on staff at a friend of mine's church, you know? I mean, the, the next move of the word of God through that ministry could have died in that car if we wouldn't have responded. Obviously, we responded. You would, too. I'm just saying how important it is in that moment, at the risk of yourself, you run in. It doesn't matter. You know, even if the river's raging, I would hope to say if the river was raging, I still would have been there holding his head. I don't know if I would have. I hope I would have had the metal, too. But man, in that moment, somebody needed to get in there and help that kid. Amen? 
So as a kid, I always pictured that scripture of laying your life down, you know, like the picture of a person coming and pushing another person out of the way, and maybe they end up taking the blow of the vehicle, you know? I, that's kind of the, the pictures that would go in my mind as a kid. I thought a lot of tragedy when I was a kid. Might be why I'm kind of not right. But I would sit there and kind of fixate on, on, oh my gosh, this could happen, that could happen, this could happen, that could, it's Jewish blood. I don't know how to say it any other way. I just, you worry, you worry, you worry, okay? You just... If, you, if you're in the tribe, you understand, okay? You worry, okay? And so I would just, I would think about that, you know? But here's the thing about it. Listen, someone, when there's an issue like that, all you need is one person willing to stand in the gap to make a difference for someone else. That's all you need. And that's Samaritan. We call him good. Why? Because he chose to stand in the gap to make a difference in that man's life. And that gap, when somebody stands in the middle of it, it makes the difference, all the difference in the world. You know, it's in that gap, in that gap. If nobody would have showed up for them kids over in that bitch, in that, that bridge, over in that ditch, if nobody had showed up in that gap, they could have drowned. They could have died. That gap makes all the difference in the world. And we need people rushing into the gap to make a difference. Amen? It's in that gap where, where maybe it's a gap in a marriage. It's in that gap where, where the enemy loves to try to come into that gap. Maybe it's a gap in a marriage that needs somebody to respond and help. It's in that gap where destruction kind of comes. Amen? Amen? And, and I love history. And in 1939, um, as Hitler was coming into Poland, you know, they did something where they took panzer tanks, and it was kind of modern, at least in the sense of, of, of war at the time, you know, using tanks like this. And they went very fast, and they punched a hole through the Polish defenses. And in punching that gap through, they poured artillery and tanks and infantry, just, just flooded into that gap and came back around and they flanked Poland and quickly, literally in a day, took Poland, just like that, you know? They, they called this kind of warfare a Blitzkrieg, all right? If you like punk, you remember Blitzkrieg Bop, remember that? If you don't, you need better taste in music. Okay, so... But with that, that Blitzkrieg, what Blitz is, that's lightning, and Krieg is, is like a war. So it's, it's a lightning war. It's super fast, you know? And so they went super fast. They broke in, made a gap, and in that gap, all this destruction just flowed. And that's how the enemy of our heart is. He loves to find a gap and just pour in destruction, you know? God wants us to bridge gaps, amen? He wants us to stand in that gap. And, and, and Jesus, even when he recounted back to the fall of Satan and his expulsion from heaven, Jesus said it this way, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It's like a blitzkrieg. It's like the enemy came, and when the enemy came, all the pain and suffering and struggle that's possible in this world started to manifest as we moved into sin. And so there was a blitzkrieg, there was a, a gap, there was a lightning war against humanity, and God is still looking for people to bridge that gap. And huge gaps have opened up in our world. And listen, in people's lives every day here in Cherokee County, there are gaps that form in their daily life every single day. And, and I want to kind of demystify, make this a little less spiritual, because I do, I want today to honor our first responders that go to this church and those that work in our community as first responders. But listen, everything, so this kind of unspiritualizes it a little bit, but everything seems secure in your life. And then you have a break-in at your home, and there's a gap of security. Has anybody had a break-in before, a robbery of any sort? I had a robbery. I got my stuff back. It's a long story. I will not tell it because I may incriminate myself on how I got my stuff back, okay? <laughs> Just being honest. 
Some of you know this story. I'll just say don't steal from pastor. He'll come get his stuff back. All right, so, but a sense of a lack of security, you know, that, that, and guess who runs into that gap? Man, our Woodstock Police Department, our Cherokee County Sheriff's Department. Oh, and memories are being run into that gap, and they help bridge up that security, you know? Life is going along, and memories are being made, and then one night a fire begins to threaten to take people. At best, their memories, maybe only just their memories, but at worst, take their lives. And guess who in that gap of safety runs in? Our Woodstock Fire Department. Amen? Amen. Yeah, they do. And it happens every single week, you know, that they run in and they bring safety and security. Who runs into that gap? Like I said, the fire department. Oh, maybe a person is in an auto accident or clutches their heart at a local restaurant and they go down and the call goes out because there's a gap in that person's health. And guess who runs in? Man, a paramedic and a fire department crew. And they come in to bring life, to resuscitate, to to do everything they can to respond not because they have to. These are men and women who have chosen that profession. Well, that's their job, Pastor. Yeah, yeah, but there's so much that comes with that job. There's so much and so little reward sometimes. And so these people, they run into the gap. And this kind of work, it literally takes a toll on first responders. And because of that, I want to take a second and honor the first responders in this house. Amen? So I'm going to put them on the screen. And so the names of the first responders in this house are here, and uh, many of them are in this service today. And so I'm going to say their names, and then we're going to give them a big round of thanks and applause, okay? So Fire Department, Alex Johnson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Law Enforcement, Matt Rice. Fire Department, Matt's wife, Angela Rice. Law Enforcement, Tim McCollum. They got a new little baby, so cute. Fire Department, Aaron Lassenick. Fire Department, Thomas Robison. That's Pastor Stephanie's husband. He's the best preacher wife we got. (laughs) Police Law Enforcement, Jeremy Johnson. And a lot of these guys are on shift today. It's just how it is. But Jeremy's brother's been coming a few weeks, and his wife was in the first service. And so we also have fire department, Jeremy's brother, Justin Johnson. Amen? <laughs> Woo! I love that. What a blessing. And so these are people right here that we're responsible for, to pray for, to intercede for, to stand the gap for. And I just want to say this, a few little qualities of first responders. I'm not going to teach into this much, but, but selflessness, you see it in their lives. Compassion, decisiveness. You know, I had an opportunity one time going out to the country, where I lived was in the country, and, um, and we had a house catch fire. And it was down the lane. You know, our neighborhood had like three houses on the mile road, you know. And um, I ran to it. I didn't run to it. I drove to it. Aw, I get there, and I didn't even think. I grabbed the door, and I burned my hand. Aw, thank you. <laughs> I was almost a hero. And um, I burned my hand, I open it, and the smoke is like already, I mean, it was bad. And I, I, I get on my knees, and I'm like, no, y'all going to die up in here. That's what you, there's no way I can get in there. No, I didn't say that. I get on my knees, and I'm hollering, I'm screaming. I get like maybe five, six feet in. There's no way. I'm like, I can't do that. I get out, you know. Thank God, within a few minutes, I heard a lot of cats in there. And that brought a lot of joy to me. No, I'll tease it. I kid, I tease. I kid. That's wrong. It was like... It was, it was a cat-bacue. 
Oh, man, smell of feline hair. No. All right, so I hear screaming out in the yard, and I come, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like on the back porch trying to figure out what's going on. I come, and, and the guy's on his knees, and he's screaming, my house, you know, and it was actually his house, you know, and um, come to find out, he had burned his house down to make an insurance claim, so it wasn't quite as, um, it wasn't quite, I didn't tell that part of the story the first service. <laughs> kind of just puts a knife in the story, doesn't it? You know, you're all like, let it burn. Let it burn with the cats. Let it burn, you know. But no. That's a true story, every bit of that. Except for the cat part. <laughs> and, and, and so, um, um, you know, I, I wasn't decisive. I was very indecisive, you know. But these, I mean, these people, they're decisive. They go after it, you know. Um, um, bravery. And they would say, I'm not brave. I'm just doing my job, you know. But every one of us in here, we want you to know, if you're a first responder, we think you're brave. Okay, amen, amen. <laughs> Bravery is responding in the face of fear. And I know you've been trained past worrying about the fear, but you're still brave. You're still brave. You're responding in the face of that. And then dedication. And this isn't a dedication just for them. It's a dedication for their spouses and the tension in the homes and the, and the children and all those things. There's just a deep dedication for them when it comes to being a public servant. And I thank God that these people in our church and here in this community, they've responded to the call of public service on their life. They responded. Everybody say the call. The call. And every day, responding to that call, they run into the gap to others' benefit, maybe to their peril, but they run into that gap. And so, um, as we have done many times today, let's just one more time give them one more big round of applause. Amen. 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 And, and we're going to take this somewhere here in the next five minutes as we close. I want you to understand um, what the Lord's laid on our heart, something in our heart this fall. comes to these men and women that serve our county, all right? God has placed something in our heart this fall that we've been meeting out. And, and man, we're just ready to reveal it to you today. But here's what I want you to understand. Phenomenologically, when it comes down to the stuff these people face, you know, the, the studies that show the level of PTSD, the level of stress, the level of difficulty. You know, there's been a study here in the South um, regarding those who are first responders. And it talks that their minds constantly occupy with the concerns of safety and stress. Good pride, that's awesome, you know. And good civic-mindedness. But man, just the idea of their identity. Are they enough or are they not enough? You know? The idea of financial struggle. These are the, the, the points in this phenomenological um, study that took um, place. These are the points that came out that occupy their mind. And first responders, they're particularly vulnerable to PTSD due to the amount of consistent firsthand exposure to extremely stressful and traumatic experiences. And those experiences differ between police and, and, and paramedics and fire, fire men and women. You know, it's, they do differ. But man, that, I, I can just remember that surge and how it felt there in the river. I can't imagine. And I know you're trained past it, you think. You're trained past it. But that adrenaline, that's sure it does something, you know. I've got friends in here, too, very much on the same line of, of military people. It, it's, it does something deep, you know. And our hearts are there for you. The cumulative effect is the constant exposure to traumatic or stressful events over a period of time, whether it's police work, fire work, emergency work, medical work, whatever it might be. That extensive exposure and re-exposure to trauma and traumatic events continuously, it does something to weigh on the psyche of that 
that first responder. And as a church, we want to be here for our first responders here in this house. Literally, first responders can spend years doing multiple runs a day that can range from normal, everyday, extreme runs, or, or, or I'm sorry, normal, everyday runs. And I did ask. Yes, they do get cats out of trees sometimes. I've, only re- it's one reason, the only reason why I don't like firemen. Other than that, I love them. <laughs> only reason. But then also to horribly extreme situations. You know, I'm not going to say the situations that I'm privy to from our first responders here. I just, I don't think that's fair. But horrible things that we've prayed with them through and such. And so latent PTSD can appear as, as, as much as six months or further in the past from that traumatic incident. And the problem with that is for many of them, it's not just one traumatic incident. They, they're, they're, they just continue to cycle. Every few weeks, there's something, something, something. And man, it just weighs on their heart. And so the studies show that there is an underlying pride that a first responder does not want to be perceived as weak by their coworkers. Listen to this. They don't want to be weak. Since individuals have professional positions where they are usually taking care of and protecting others, it seems unnatural to be the one needing help. And so they're not going to come asking for it. Amen? They're not, we've, we've got to be proactive and being there to be a listening ear, a comforting arm, you know, just friendships, just to be there. So when those times of need are arising, we're there in the gap for them. And so this puts a strain on health, relationships, on just everything, on emotional quality that they carry throughout all life. It just, it stirs it all up. And truthfully, the matter, I mean, none of them get paid enough to do what they do. Amen. Amen? None of them. None of them. And so this past fall, when I started to have some margin in my life, and I want to thank you guys for allowing me to have some of that margin, you know, just not going, going, going like I was, God just really started stirring my heart. And out of that, this whole theme of more came. But also out of that, when I thought about more for 2019, I thought, you know, I want to be a church that has more of God, experiences more of God. And I want to be a church that, ex- that receives more from God, but I want to do more for God. And so this fall, I started praying, God, show us some needs that we as a church can begin to put our hands to. And what the Lord began to show myself and our staff, he was already preparing Pastor Marvin and Pastor Stephanie with these ideas. And as we began to pray, the idea of being a church that supports first responders, just, it just came to the top. And so we really have a heart to be able to do that. And so the way we put that into motion was we actually got a hold of Chief Moss from the, the police department, from you know, Sheriff Reynolds from the Sheriff's Department, and we got a hold of Chief Ely and Chief Sumas and, and, and Williams from the fire department, and we invited them and anybody that wanted to come with them to the church a few weeks ago. And when they came, we had this luncheon, and we blessed them with Choate's Barbecue. Amen. <laughs> You guys know every time I say Choate's Barbecue here, I get free Choate's Barbecue. Did you know that? You didn't know, you didn't know that's how that works. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get Michael Lassini to get on the same program. He owns a car lot. <laughs> but um, no, I don't, I don't know if it's going to work. You, I don't think so. Um, no, Brian doesn't give me jack. <laughs> he charges me double, actually. So. But when we brought him, we fed him well. We fed them well, and then I started to talk to them about this idea that I view you guys, I said, as ish habinaims. And you're looking at me like, what in the world? Was that tongues? Do we need an interpretation? It's so ish habinaim. It means a man who stands in the gap, okay? 
And, and, and it comes from the idea of two warring parties. Remember when the Philistines were fighting against the Israelites and Goliath went down into the flats and called for a champion? Bring out your best. And David came out. Remember that story? That was very common in those days, you know? Life is important, so let's not risk the whole armies. We'll send down some champions. Y'all fight it out. Oh, we lost. Okay, here's some land. You can, like, we'll back up, you know? And so that's called an Isha Benayim. So David went as the Isha Benayim for Israel, and Goliath went as the Isha Benayim for the Philistines. But what the Philistines didn't know is that we got one that really stands in the gap. Amen. There was God. He just, all he saw was David. He didn't realize behind David, David's like, I got a sling. It's like God's behind him. You know, you got me. It's not just a sling. You have all my power and authority. I love it. And so I was telling these guys just the story, and I just said, you know, to us, I view you as Isha Benayim's, as people who stand in the gap. You know, a gap represents a place of weakness, vulnerability, and danger. And I said, y'all, you stand in the gap for us, and I want you to know, we as a church, we want to stand in the gap for you. That's what we told them. And I told them, I said, I don't know enough. We don't know enough on even how, what that looks like. That's why we invited you. The chaplain, Chaplain Amsball, he came, wonderful man. And those men, we gave opportunity after dinner or, or, or lunch, um, which is called dinner where I'm from, okay? So after dinner, we, 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 in that moment, started to brainstorm. And I thought these guys would want to check out 20 minutes later. Guys, I don't know how long, 45? I, mean, I actually kind of interrupted toward the end because I, I wanted to respect their time so much. And I was afraid that they would leave like, man, we were there forever. Well, yeah, because you guys kept giving us awesome ideas. They just kept, it was so beautiful. And, and, and Jim, um, 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 Jay, rather, Baker, the communications director for the police department, he said, he goes, we've had people have lunches for us before. We've never had a group ask us, what, what can we have, what can, can, what can we do for you? Like, you tell us how we can help you. It's always, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to bring this. We're going to do that. We're gonna. I told him, I said, it's not because we're smart. We don't know enough not, we don't know, we know enough not to, to know, we know enough to know what we don't know. And that's why you're here. We need your help, you know? And man, it was beautiful over the next sons of ideas that really center around relationship. That's really where it's at, you know? And so the Lord, over the next season of this ministry, the next year, two years, five years, we're going to be a church that embraces first responders in Cherokee County as a very vibrant part of our outreach mission ministry. Amen? You on board with that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So when it comes to mission outreach, we always say that we are not a church in Woodstock, but we are a church to Woodstock and beyond. That's our, our mission emphasis around here. And I want to just declare it this way. Momentum Church has made the commitment to work to become the number one supporter of first responders in Cherokee County. Give God some praise. Amen. Now, that's lip service if we don't do anything about it. And that's why when we had that meeting on Tuesday, by Thursday, we had another meeting, and we began to lay out a plan for the next four months on things that we're doing to build relationships. Amen? That's why when I went back to my office, I can remember last year the SWAT team came here, and they did training on our campus. They did active um, um, shooter training on our campus. And, um, and thank God they captured Brantley. Praise the Lord. <laughs> He's nice, but he's sneaky. He's devious, you know. But when they were here, when they went to leave, they thanked me, and they gave me this little challenge coin, okay? And so ever since I've had this challenge coin, I keep it in my pocket. I've worn my drinks free every single time. No, I'm teasing. That's, if you know what a challenge coin is, that was, that was funny. Um, 
But they gave this to me. It says SWAT on it, you know? And I've had it on my desk since last year. But that day, I get done with the lunch, and I go downstairs, and I'm like, I don't want this to be lip service. And I put it in my left pocket, and there's not been a day that I haven't prayed over those men's names that are here in this church. And there's not been a day I haven't prayed over our, 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 our police department, our fire department, our sheriff's department here in this community, our, our paramedics that are linked to our fire department. That's how it is here. There hasn't been a day. And, and so here's, here's the thing about that. That's not impressive. But when you pray, the Lord begins to give ideas and, and vision and and God will start to give opportunity. I'll give you a, a neat little opportunity. We didn't know how this was going to work out. Guess what the first thing we got to do for them, other than that meal? And we've taken some other food and stuff this last week or so. The first thing, Pastor Brantley went and shot some video. They needed video. We wanted to do this little promo. And they needed video for, like, training things. So he spent eight hours, one whole day, shooting amazing video, whatever they wanted, whatever they needed. We got the little bit we needed for this service, you know. And um. But man, we were able to have for them whatever they need, all that video, no cost. Here you go. God bless you. Amen. And I know that sounds like, well, that's not that big. No, that's a that's that's getting in the gap just a little bit. They're not gonna trust us, you know, to cover bigger things in their hearts. You know, when when a man, maybe a man that served faithfully our county loses his wife to cancer. Just needs some people to love on him. Whether he ever comes to this church or not, that's beside the point. If we don't have our foot in the gap, we won't know how to pour in the oil and the wine. We won't know how to take care of the need. Amen? So I'm challenging us as a church to be Isha Benayims for our first responders. Amen? And I want you to begin to pray for them. And number two, this week, I want you to find a first responder. Just look. They're the ones in uniforms. Find one and thank them. Or buy them a cup of coffee. I asked, Jeremy said it's okay, a donut. <laughs> Jeremy's like, yeah, he had no problem with it, you know? It's like, that is one stereotypical thing that is good, you know? So, but, but just do, just this week, if every one of us at Momentum Church this week would find a first responder, and, and I want you to do this, not for Momentum's credit, but discipleship takes place when people can connect it back to Jesus and a, a church, okay? And we're responsible. I want to disciple first responders. And some of them will have churches. Praise the Lord. But some of them won't. And it may not be the first time they hear from us or the second. It may be two, three years from now. But I want to be able to continue to pour in. Amen? So, hey, man, I'm from Momentum Church. I just want to thank you. My name's Eddie. I just want to thank you for your service. God bless you. Our church, we're praying for you every week. Amen? Can you do that for me this week? Man, we'll have about 350 or so people out there in the streets this this. This week, blessing on our first responders. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. If you're here and you're a first responder or part of the first responders family, when church is over today, please come back to the next steps room. We have a gift for you. And I just want to shake your hand, hug your neck. And so if you're a guest, please come back with us if you're a first responding guest and meet us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your goodness in our life. I thank you for God-inspired ideas. And Lord, God, praise you, Lord, that you're just placing in our heart as a church to, just, to, to take care of those who take care of us, to stand in the gap for those who stand in the gap for us. And we will be faithful with that mandate on this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www dot momentumchurch dot tv